start this again because nobody pushed the cord. The only one I think is alive. Okay. Good evening, welcome. Today is Hey Nissen, Erev Levav Nissen, Shabbos Pasha Sab. With the title of Shabbos Agodel. Shulchan Aruch, Torah and the Salmonist Wisdom. Torah and the Salmonist Wisdom. Explains to us why this is called Shabbos Hagodel. Thank you. One is, for many reasons, one is because the Godel of the community stands up to Darshan to speak. Most importantly, Most importantly, the miracle, one of the main miracles before the Eden left Mitzrayim, <laughs> took place on this Shabbos, Shabbos HaGadu. Hence, this is now called the Great Shabbos based on the great things that transpired to the Jews on the Shabbos. Before we discuss Pashat Sav, we discuss some halachis that are going to be relevant to Pesach. Let us talk about the Shabbos HaGadol. Which we know on Shabbos Hagadol, we said before the Godel gets up to speak. What is the idea of him getting up to speak? To awaken people's feelings, to inspire them that they go into the holiday of Pesach with the proper awe. Let us look through the Shulchan Aruch. Today it's easy to do that because you just do a uh, Google search. What other Shabbos has such potential, has such a great responsibility? Another such Shabbos is called Shabbos Shuva, or Shabbos Tshuva even, by some. Which is, of course, we all know, the Shabbos between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. The beginning of the year. Then too, says the Holy Shulchan Aruch, inspirational speeches are given by the leaders of the generation. 
How ironic. Shabbos Shuba and Shabbos Hagodl, both with the same, in essence, mission of inspiring the Jewish nation. Let us, therefore, attempt to understand the comparison of the two, to understand the synchronization between the two, the common denominator. Prior to that, let us understand the severity of Pesach. Now in essence, how can we say severity on, the word, on Pesach? Where does the synonymous factor come about Pesach and severity? Pesach is a beautiful holiday. We celebrate Tiyaz Mitzrayim. The world of Tzachkos, of a slight humorous, as I would say. There are people that wish you, on Purim, a kosher and Purim, and a freilich a Pesach. Your Purim should be kosher, and your Passover should be happy. Now that's ultimately a country, it's a total opposite. Because we should really be saying a kosher, a happy Purim, and a kosher Passover. Why do we people confuse that? Well, first of all, we can say because Purim, everything is confused. Everything goes upside down. So then why should this be different? Manishtana. But truthfully, truthfully, that's not at all the issue. Adrava. There's truth in these words. What is the truth to these words? Truth is a very interesting phenomenon. Wow. The phenomenon is... Where is she? She's not online. The phenomenon is... Sure. The phenomenon is... phenomenon is
that the person on Purim celebrates Purim. The mitzvah of Purim is Adolayada. The person should drink until he does not know the difference between the curse of the Haman and the blessing of Marachai. Now, I can't tell you. Hmm? That's the meaning of Adla Yeah, it's a, The end of the sentence is Ben Barak Ben Barak Marachai Haman. Now, I can't tell you from first-hand experience. Because unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, or maybe, you know, you know the fortunately, unfortunately story. A man fell out of a plane. Fortunately, he had a parachute. Hmm. Unfortunately, parachute didn't open up. Fortunately, there was a haystack below. Unfortunately, there was a pitchfork in the haystack. Fortunately, he missed the pitchfork. Unfortunately, he missed the haystack too. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can say fortunately or unfortunately, I, did, I never reached the level of Adla Yadam Purim. Or any other time for that matter. Maybe, maybe. In the single years. The last last year in Caracas, maybe. Um person's Adlayada. Besides sometimes some people acting irrationally or even sometimes talking incoherently. People tend to do things that they shouldn't be or should be doing. For example, you're not of total control of what you're doing, how you're walking, where you're going. Therefore, you're not allowed to drive a car. You're not allowed to operate any heavy vehicles, heavy machinery. But also because you're not in your faculty... You tend to sometimes... What is it? You tend to sometimes not know what's on your plate. What does that mean? Which means there are baskets all over the house, shalachmanis, delicacies, cakes, chocolates, Generally, you know, once you're eating meat, you can't eat milk. When you're Adelayada, you sometimes are not so sure. Did I eat meat? Did I eat milk? What am I holding? What am I doing? What am I exactly eating? And you'll have a piece of meat, a crepple, or something interesting that was cooked for Purim. And all of a sudden you would see a good piece of chocolate and unawares of what you're doing, eat the chocolate. No, in that case, if that's the case, you've now eaten, God forbid, 
milk and then meat. Or milk and meat and then milk. Without the prescribed time in between. Right? Nobody wants to do that on purpose. There are those that, yeah, they understand what a cheeseburger is. But in generally, uh huh. Uh, someone on, on Skype, one of the people on Skype is talking, and it's causing an echo to the other people. So you got to speak quietly because the, everybody on the Skype is listening to the conversation. You have to mute the mic. Mute your mic. Didn't help. I don't know, I hear only through my, the headsets that we have on the table. I'm not listening to them. Oh, uh, what's this? Conversation's going on. Okay. Therefore, we tell the person, you should have a kosher Purim. Because, shouldn't God forbid, by accident, mix your milk and your meat, your meat, your meat and your chocolates. On the flip side, by the way, those on Skype, I cannot sell chametz by Skype. If you're going to buy sell your chametz, you have to be here in person. On the flip side comes Pesach, and the house is turned upside down, and the air is thick. You can cut it with a knife. The pressure of the cleaning. You could think that you're cleaning once a year. Probably are. It becomes horrific. was the Rav many years in the Babich. And people came to him with all their issues. In those days, people still understood what a Rav was all about. And they understood how to ask a Rav a question. They understood how to express their feelings to a Rav. Wow, a guest. We, we relocated this year today due to uh, Passover preparations. Sorry. That's why we were. <laughs> we were stuffed in here. Evening. Where's your brother? No, I'm here. And Abzalman Shimon had a very interesting question, a very interesting issue. They came to him before Passover. And they said to him, in the front of the box, and the person said to him, he came with his wife mm. and said, it's a, it's a terrible story. A whole week, for two, for three weeks already, she doesn't stop screaming at the children. She doesn't stop fighting. She doesn't stop. And anyone walks with food anywhere and near out to the vicinity of the kitchen, she starts going berserk. And it's, it's, it's terrible. The, the fight, it's, we, she's killing us. So Abzalman Shimon gave out a very interesting psak, Din Halacha. Abzalman Shimon said, I want you to know Dust is not chametz, and children are not kosher for a carbon pesach. So don't kill your kids because they can't do that for the carbon anyway, 
and don't go crazy over a little bit of dust. Now, honestly, he was not looking to minimize the work of the Ashish Chayel. Don't do that. They fold. No, you're not finished. Push in the stems. There you go. You see that? Now you can become a Martian. <laughs> he was not minimizing. Adirabe. The work that the Ashish Chayel puts in, that the valiant woman puts in on Arab Pesach, the blood, sweat, and tears, and the daughters. There's no measurement. There's no measurement for that. The women take this so seriously, and with such full heart, God forbid we should tell them, you're overdoing it. And the truth is that, you know, there's all different types of schools and trainings. They have schools for speakers. You ever go to the schools of speakers? To become an expert speaker, you have to go to a school for that. So we go to school. Water? No, it's a... Wine? Vodka. <laughs> Vodka. Whiskey. The school for the speakers, I think we've told this before, they have a very interesting method. They want you to have proper diction, to pronounce your words, to pronounce your phrases properly. So what they do is, they fill your mouth up with marbles, and they make you talk with a mouthful of marbles. And every day they take out one marble. At the end of the semester, you lose all your marbles, and then you're an expert speaker. So that's why they say the expert speakers sound like they lost their marbles, Yes. We had actually a, a barometer that we measured the different speakers that was on a uh, convention. And there was a list of speakers that was nightmarish. So somebody walked over and he put down a watch on the podium hinting to the speaker, look how long you're talking. The next speaker said, the watch is not a threat to me. So this fellow walked over Put on a calendar. So please mark off when you're finished. <laughs> <laughs> so everyone got a good laugh. He gave his speech. And the next guy got up and said, Don't try that shtick with me, please. So the fellow stood up, took a ring of keys, and put it down on the podium and said, When you're finished, lock up. You'll be the last one here. <laughs> Learn the lesson. Can I have my glasses back? <laughs> I was going to reach into my pocket and take out another pair. <laughs> you don't understand. Let me explain this. Oh, hold on, hold on. Let me explain. No, I didn't buy it for Passover. I have to buy it for Passover. Um, let me explain to you what the situation is. When you get to an age where you can't read without your glasses, you become, it's such a painful handicap you make sure you have glasses at every hand, any, wherever your hand's going to reach. How many in the car? I have two in the car. You can't see the dashboard. No, 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 no. Dashboard's not a problem. Just to read. <laughs> Only for reading. I can see nothing. nothing. I get in, I got, when I go for an eye test, when I go for my eye test, for my license, anything else, they say, read the bottom line. They say, print it in Taiwan. They said, okay, leave the room, please. <laughs> says, Why did you come here, he says? 
So I told him to bring you matzah. He's a nice guy. We like Dr. Ellen. He's very, very close to the family. I know, but this guy, I, we used to use his father. And his father passed away, and he took over the practice, and so now we use him. He's in, he used to be in Queens. He used to be in Queens, on Queens Boulevard. That's right. Good old Queens. Um, yeah, he used to have a stone tablet, the father. Yes, definitely. Anyway, going back to... You, you have Rick's company, you can't just walk out. It's, she's here. Who's it's calling you? That's right. I'm, I'm calling him. <laughs> so we see back to what we were discussing. The Shabbos Hagadol and Shabbos Shuvah. On those two Shabbosim, the speech has to be made to inspire the people. So we began to explain what Pesach is all about. What is Chometz? The arrogance of Chometz? What Chometz causes to us spiritually? And how we have to overcome it spiritually? There's a very famous story, the the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe. There was a student in Yeshiva that was uncontrollable wild and, and, and rowdy and, and, and he just would not sit down to study and the Rebbe's instructions were to involve him with the baking of matzah from the beginning and it was summertime when they started going to cut the wheat and the grinding the wheat and making the, uh, the flour and everything until straight through he was in charge of everything until Pesach the drilling and the, the stringencies that took place that were preparing him for Pesach. Sell your parents. I'm in house. <laughs> <laughs> Lift up the pen. Lift up the pen. Take it. The stringencies were so, so severe that they refined this fellow to such an extent that he became a total different being. Not just in the slight, not he improved, not he became rejuvenated. He was a total different essence. If you looked at the person, you saw on his face, his countenance was totally different than what it was. This too, is what Pesach is all about. The first article... Old fish. The first article that I ever actually wrote that got published was entitled Chametz y Aragancia. Cool. It was in Spanish. It was in a Spanish newspaper in Nuevo Mundo, Israelita. Which Chametz y Aragancia is the Chametz and its arrogance. And it didn't win a Pulitzer. It didn't get me a Nobel Peace Prize. But it did get me the headache of having to write every month an article. I didn't usually come through. Um, therefore, Shabbos HaGadol, when the person gets up to speak to inspire the people how much they have to be, how careful they have to be, how intricate they have to be with the laws of Pesach. It's not just talking about the recipes. He's not just giving 
uh, instructions how to make matzah balls and how to make matzah brai. Make kibbe. Make kibbe on Pesach. What Sephardic foods are there on Pesach? Forget it. I shouldn't have asked. I don't know, but he said something. But he made it up or not. He said something. It came out of his sleeve quick. Definitely. It's either he wants to have some of it or he might have had it one day. You want what? It's behind you. You don't drink wine. Only liquors. No, no, no. A lot of them. And therefore, we see now why in Shulchan Aruch it tells us that on these Shabbosim it is a Indian that the drasha should be made to to inspire and to direct people onto the way of God and teach them what they actually have to do. And they should accept and do the mitzvahs like learned people. But not only like learned people, but out of love and out of fear of God. They should do it because it's one with them. And we're going to discuss how that comes out together in congruence with Pashat Tzav. Svarim tell us there are two Forms of service to God. The Aveda, the service of the tzaddik, of the righteous, which is bringing down spirituality, holiness, from above to this world. And then there's the word, work of the Balachuva. And the Balachuva has to bring closer the actual essence of world and elevate it to the, to the higher levels. This is therefore the difference between the month, the days of the month of Tishrei and the days of the month of Nisan. Tishrei represents Balchuva, and Nisan represents the Tzaddik. Honestly speaking, Pesach, Passover, It's quite traumatizing, to say the least. What is, yeah. what is the trauma? This is where he, nice where he works. It doesn't even have. <laughs> never mind. I'm happy. I'm happy. I don't have a moil at the table. I don't know what he's going to give me. Um, <laughs> yes. I give you mine. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. You definitely have to laugh. If you don't laugh, you don't cry. do it through humor. No, we won't cry, but we won't get through the day or the night, for that matter. This is therefore why these two Shabbos were chosen to represent these two seasons: the season of Nisan and the season of Tishrei. To know how Maisa Shayasun, the work that one has to one has to do. How the person has to serve God in this part or time of the year. This week's Pasha, as we said before, is Pasha Tzav. The 
Pasha begins, and the Almighty spoke to Moshe. I don't know if anybody wants some good cinnamon or vanilla cake, whatever. It's cinnamon. It's cinnamon babka. Yeah. Homemade. Babka ever. A babka you will not get anywhere else. Homemade. What? We give you a coffee or a tea. And the Torah tells us, Tzav es ha'arin ve'ezbanov. To command Aaron and his children, not just speak to them, not just advise them, not just recommend, but command to them. A person, when they do a commandment of God, it's called doing a mitzvah. What is a mitzvah? What does the word mitzvah signify? Mitzvah has, in essence, two connotations. One is tzivui, commandment, asher kiddishonu v'mitzvaysav v'tzivonu, who sanctified us with his mitzvahs and commanded us. Lashon of a mitzvah. But that was the table. And another one is a lashon of... <laughs> Tzavsa v'chibur. Tzavsa is by doing the mitzvah we connect. We live a physical mundane world. In our physical and mundane world, it's not very often that we talk to God. Directly. And it's not very often that he answers you. And if he does, we're in trouble. Yeah, like the two little girls. One was religious and one wasn't. And they always played together. And the non-religious girl had a bicycle and the religious one didn't. And she used to always borrow the non-religious girl's bicycle. One day the non-religious girl friend, it's a friend, but she says to her, you know what? You always talk about God and praying to God. Pray to God, he should give you your own bicycle. She said, okay, I will. Next day she comes, and she says, okay, can I borrow the bicycle? She says, uh, what happened? Didn't you pray to God? She says, yes. Ha-ha, he didn't answer you. She says, he did answer me. So why don't you have a bicycle? He said, no. No is an answer. Round is a shape. You're caught. Hey, Ron, go help her. She's hanging. We have a 12-foot table. It's five and a half feet wide in the dining room. So you obviously don't buy that in a normal store, the tablecloth. So we have to have it custom-made. So the custom-made tablecloth... There's a lady from Connecticut and she comes in just like a cover with all the stuff on So when you wash it, the only way to dry it is hang it from the banister upstairs. She was coming from the basement and got caught with a watch or whatever it was. No. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said, God answered me, he told me no. God answers. God's answer always has to be yes. If God's answer is no, we have to accept that with love. But to understand that we're going to connect with God via doing a mitzvah, it takes a little imagination sometimes. And after the imagination, it then starts to take a little bit more of devotion and dedication. Connecting to God is a little severe. 
And those who walk around saying, I speak to God all the time and God answers me all the time, they usually get committed. God answers us. There's nothing to talk about. It might be a yes, it might be a no. God answers us in His own way. And it's a wonderful, wonderful experience if you answer, you ask God questions, you ask request things from God, and you expect God to answer you. Avinu Sheba Shemayim, our Father who is in Heaven, and we want X, Y, and Z, and we want to exist, we only will exist because we are connected to God. And that's why we wake up in the morning, the first thing we do is praise God. Therefore, tzav, mitzvah. I can't eat that during giving a share. You're like, kids talk. Mm. <laughs> and we're in trouble. It's like having a mouthful of marbles. <laughs> so connection to God through a mitzvah, tzav, sevachibah. But these two explanations, commandment and connection, go hand in hand. And they explain one another. When can a Jew actually do a mitzvah? Every day. Or what reason? He does a mitzvah for one of two reasons. Either because he understands what he's doing, and therefore wants to do this mitzvah, or because that's what God commanded me. And it's a commandment from God, and therefore I'm doing what he says. It's called Kabbalah's El. I accept the yoke of God on my head. God said, I do. Yeah, I do understand, I don't understand. doesn't matter. I'm doing it because that's what I was told to do. Obviously, it's a very high level. Very, very few of us can actually ascertain that. To say, I'm told, I will do. And we see in this week's parasha just that. The parasha begins Tzavis Aaron, command Aaron and his children. And the parasha finishes, ironically, Vayas Aaron Uvanov. And Aaron and his children did. Let's, let's get real. We all know we have mitzvahs. We all know God gave us the Torah. God commanded us to the mitzvahs. That's why we try to be good Jews. But we didn't hear God get that commandment to us. We're told that Moshe Kibel Torah Sinai Moshe got the Torah from Sinai and he gave it over and over and over and it was given to us and we are given each and every one of us and we have a Shavuos every year and we live through it and we get it. Nobody walked over to me and told me, "Listen, my friend, you." God just told me to tell you to do such and such. I heard a mind-boggling story about the Shabbos. I didn't hear the story. My wife heard the story and repeated it to me. Very, very close friend of ours, who's actually the mohel that we all use here in the family, and anyone in my communities that come to me and ask me who to use, this is the guy they use. He's married, he's a Lubavitcher boy, but he's married to a, from a, a girl from a non-Lubavitch family. His mother, unfortunately, passed away very young. <coughs> The children were all little pitzlach. Very, very special woman. When it time, came time for this boy to get married, the mother appeared to a woman in the dream and told the woman, I want you to get my son to marry this and this girl. The woman said to the 
the Rebison, I don't even know who he is. Didn't know who this woman was, even this is a family name. She came to her again in the gym. Excuse me, she went to a wedding. And the woman went to a wedding and sat next to a woman with this last name. But it was so awkward to, to go and to make a shiddah for this. It didn't, it wasn't. But the woman repeated the dream again, that she came back to her again the next night. I ask you please to go to this family and to make a shidduch for my son. And she went and she presented this and she said to Lubavitch, boy, the family said, the girls, what do we have with Lubavitch? So listen, I'm presenting you, here's a nice book. So they asked the girl and the girl said, All right, if it's not going to be too, blah, 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 I'll meet him. And they met and they got married. And they have Baruch Shem, a beautiful family. And it's just a, a mind-boggling thing how this woman really got so involved in her children who were left orphans so young. Although the father was not a person that, the, that the, <laughs> threw them to the dogs. He was very involved and still involved with them till today. Very, very special love. But the mother saw to it to come from Gan Eden to make sure that the child was taken care of. So I never had, in essence, somebody come over to me, or even in a dream, God commanding me to do something. But I still try to do the right thing all the time. I try to be a good Jew and try to keep what I have to do. I open the book and I learn it and I study it and I study it again and again and a third time and a fourth time. I'm still going over Hilchas Pesach. I'm not 22 anymore. I haven't been that for 30 years or more. But every year I open up Hilchas Pesach and I go over Hilchas Pesach on a constant basis. See what happens? You don't have glasses? I had no idea who it was. I asked me where to mail a check to. I told him wait a minute. I didn't, I didn't know who it was. Though. The main thing is the check. Gotta make money for Pesach. I gotta buy food for the teachers. Um... The Almighty comes and tells Moshe, go command Aaron and his children. And Moshe comes and says, God spoke to me and told me to tell you. So then what is the big deal that the Torah goes and says clearly in a pasuk, and this is how the Pasha finishes, that Aaron and his children did what the Almighty commanded Moshe, and told Moshe to tell them. <laughs> Duh, as you say in America, how would they not have listened? You know, sometimes in Shul, there are people that like to daven for the Yom, and they like to lead the, the services. And there are some people that like to get up and speak. Personally, I don't, do, I don't like either. I'm antisocial, and I don't like public speaking. I'm shy. Yeah, well, 
Okay, not exactly. I, I do the public speaking because of different reasons. It's not it's not my ego, believe me. Um, and people come over and they say to the fellow, maybe you be the chazan today? But when he's saying, he's really holding you with the other hand. Don't go away, ask me again. Mm. I'll say yes on the third time. You know, the guy that uh, wanted to show that he, he davens from an essay, he davens in a different world. Nothing disturbs him from Shemnesa. When I daven Shemnesa, my whole devotions are to God. And he tells the guy, he says, so much so, if you stuck me with a pin, I wouldn't know it. Alright? Guy was a little bit of a, a let's, a comedian. He waited for the guy to start the Amidah, and he said, Baruch Atai, he took a pin and he gave him a jab. Nothing. All right, he waited. Came towards the end of the Amidah, the guy bent down to say, Modem Anach Tulach, the guy gave him a real jab with a pin, the guy jumped halfway across the shul. <laughs> After Shmanesse, he walks over to the guy and says, Hey, buddy, you said when you're damaged, Shmanesse, you don't feel anything. He says, I didn't feel the first one. <laughs> <laughs> Towards the end. <laughs> <laughs> so he didn't feel the first one. How do you know there was a first one if he didn't feel it? <laughs> he didn't react to it, but he felt it, believe me. Um, Aaron and the children didn't do that. They didn't wait for a second time to be asked a second time. They didn't wait for someone to give them a little bit of the ego and a pat on the back. We're asking you, we're giving you the job. As soon as they were commanded, they said, we did it. They took right away to it. This is a tremendous virtue. And this is ultimately a lesson for each and every one of us. How we have to act and react when we're asked to do a mitzvah. Oh boy. It's early, Rabbi. Yeah, I know it's early, but I still have a few things I wanted to say. Each. Give me honors. Um... We hear all that, don't we? First Rashi in the Parsha. Big Rashi says, what does it mean? The Pasuk warns us very much, very severely over here, in a place especially where there's chesar and kiss. Chesar and kiss usually means loss of money. Chesar and kiss, also the literal translation, chesaron. It's missing. Kiss could mean either a pocket or it could mean a cover. What is the chesar? Why is there all of a sudden an extra push when it comes to mitzvahs that are chesar and kiss? You know, my friends, there are many different things that are very hard to do. And there are many things we don't even realize are not exactly a mitzvah. Lashon Hara. If we started tonight, Vav Nissen, to talk about the severity of Lashon Hara and how hard it is to refrain, we would probably finish by Shavuos the introduction. Lashon Hara is the worst and most severe Aveda a person can do. The Baal Shem Tov says that Lashon Hara kills three people. 
the one that says it, the one that hears it, and the one that it's said about. The question is, the one that it's said about, what did he do? He caused that the person should even think of saying Lashon Hara about him. Not always is he really that truthfully culpable, but that's the package. Lashon Hara, the Almighty is so concerned about. He took your tongue and put it behind two covers, your teeth and your lips. In order to speak Lashon Hara, unless you're a ventriloquist, I wonder if that's the whole Lashon Hara if you're a ventriloquist. Um, <laughs> you imagine, you imagine going into a toy store with a ventriloquist next to you? And you're standing next to one of the toys and it starts talking to you? <laughs> that can be very scary. Um, God put the teeth and the lips in front of you to hold back your tongue from talking Lashon Hara. Before you speak Lashon Hara, besides thinking, you have to open your part your teeth and your lips. So God gave the tongue a cover to refrain from Lashon Hara. God gave another issue. Not to hear what you're not supposed to hear. You have the earlobes. You can cover, you close your ears. Well, we know about the mouth part. We didn't know about the ear part also. <laughs> We're not allowed to see things that we shouldn't be seeing. God gave us a cover. The eyelids. There's one... Yeah, well, the Chinese have like this. That's why. Yeah, I understand. The sand. That's I know. I understand. I don't want to say what we... When we were seven years old, what they used to say about how the Chinese have it. Um, middle of a shear... We're in the middle of this year. Kumshi. No. What's up? Well, what's up? <laughs> Certain people that call me in the middle of Shmanesa every davening, they always manage to catch me in the middle of Shmanesa. And after davening, I'll like take out my phone, I'll look and I'll see they got a missed call. So when did he call? Right in the middle of Shmanesa. How did you know I was davening Shmanesa? Um, there's one other asset besides hearing, seeing and talking and we don't even realize that this could become an avera thinking our mind or our heart what we have in our heart or what we have in our minds what we have in our heart and our mind we have no cover the eyes have the eyelids the earlobes, the lips the heart hasn't got. The mind hasn't got. Yeah, you have a skull. It doesn't stop you from thinking, though. <coughs> thinking has no control. This is what he's saying here about chisaron kiss. The person has to be mizarez mitzvah. He has to be very, very articulate in the mitzvah that he does, especially in the case of chisaron kiss, where there's no cover involved where the person has to protect the mind on his own. This, the person has to be Mizarez. And the same thing is also the service to God. When it comes to tzedakah, the charity, the person doesn't have to be so warned and rehashed the whole idea and the concept, because the person knows what I give to tzedakah comes back. 
And if not, at the end of the day, it's not my money. God, it's all God's money. And it goes from account to account because God knows He gives it to this one to distribute to that one. And when I go and I ask, and I come to somebody and I have to take tzedakah for something, someone asked me once, isn't it debilitating, isn't it humiliating, isn't it feel lowly that you're asking for tzedakah for something, for an organization, for your teachers, for your school, or for even, God forbid, for yourself? I said, no. Because it's not his money. He's holding the money. It's in his account. But it's God's money. And God gave it to him as a gizbal, as a trustee, to distribute distribute it the way he's supposed to. And proof is in the pudding for those who, stories in history for years on end, those who did not, and it ended up going the wrong way. A very, very famous story of such in Krakow, there was a Jew whose name was Rabbi Yosef. But he was a very cheap miser. Ultimately, he was called Yosef Kamtsan Kadosh. Why is Kamtsan Kadosh? They don't, they're not a, they don't fit. They're an oxymoron. If he's Kamtsan, if he's a cheap person, he can't be holy. People would come to him for donations. He would throw them out like dogs. And when he died, they didn't want to bury him. They came to him before he was dying, and they said to him, "You're dying. You have to buy. A, you have to buy a grave. You have to pay an exorbitant amount because you never gave charity." And he said, "No, I will not. I will pay what everyone else pays." And they said, "No, you must." And they said, "No, I will not." And they left. And they came back the next day and he said he would not. They said, we will not bury you. He said, I'll bury myself. And Yosef passed away. And Hebra Kadisha refused to take him. The next day, a neighbor, Prashat, couldn't take what the poor widow was going through. He came and he took him in the middle of the night and he buried him. So he got buried. He did Tara, whatever it was. That was on a Monday. It came Friday morning and a poor man comes knocking on the rabbi's door, the rabbi of the city. He says, Rabbi, I have nothing to make Shabbat. Oh God, wow. And he had a special fund and he gave him money for Shabbat. Two minutes later, another person came. And one after the other, all of a sudden people are coming, they're flooding the rabbi. And he says, Maze. He stops and he asks the person, You've never come to me before. Why all of a sudden you're coming? Why is everybody coming for Shabbat? And he says, Rabbi, I'll tell you the truth. Every week, on Thursday night, under my broken door, was an envelope. And it said, Lekavot Shabbat, in honor of Shabbat. And it had exactly what I needed for Shabbat. And this week, it didn't come. And the rabbi started to ask by the other people coming. And everyone spoke of that same envelope. Lekavot Shabbat. Ultimately, it occurred to the rabbi what's going on here. And he asked about Rabbi Yosef. Did you ever go ask Rabbi Yosef for money? 
Hi, Rabbi, everybody did, he says. And everybody went through the same experience. He would take you into his house. He would sit you down and he'd give you a beautiful glass of wine and some smell, delicious, tasty cake. And he would ask you your name. What's your name, my dear brother? What is your address? Where do you live? How many kindalach do you have, my dear brother? How much money do you need for the week? And you would tell him and you would tell him and he would be writing and writing. And then finally he'd get really upset. And he'd jump up and say, You think I'm going to give you my money? Leave my house right now. And he would scream and straight chase you out of the house. But everybody had that same experience one time or another with Rabbi Yosef. And they figured out that there was Rabbi Yosef that was putting envelopes under everybody's doors with the amount of money that he had written down because he interviewed them and knew how much they needed. The rabbi went crazy. He says, what did we do? We didn't even bury him. Immediately he called Asifa. The whole shul came together, the whole city. And they fasted. And at the end of the day, he went to the Aron Kodesh and he started to cry. Yosela, Yosela, please forgive us. Tell us you forgive us. You were such a philanthropist. You supported the whole city and what? And the rabbi was crying so hard he passed out. And as he was lying there unconscious, he saw Yosela sitting in Ganed. I said, Yosela, please, we're sorry. We didn't know. Yosela said, there's no reason to apologize. But Yosela, look what all you did and how we treated you. The children would throw stones at you and people would mock you in the streets. He says, it doesn't matter. I didn't need any honor. I don't need any honor today. There's only one thing. One thing that I would give up my whole Gan Eden for. He says, what is it, Yosma? He says, here in Gan Eden, there's Torah, there's beauty, but there are no broken doors. I can't put an envelope, the Kavod Shabbat, under any doors here. I'm tortured. I give anything away the one more Thursday night that I could put envelopes the Kavod Shabbat under the doors. This is what Tzedakah is all about. This is what giving is all about. How Yosela gave without anybody knowing, without anybody appreciating, and just the opposite, he was mocked and scorned. Pesach, although Purim, they say, anyone, whoever reaches out to you, you have to give him. Pesach has a bigger mitzvah than everything, which is called Maot Chitim. The mitzvah of giving people, the poor, for food, for Yom Tov. And it's a mitzvah that we don't skip a beat with usually. People are always giving anyway tzedakah and everything, but this is something that people give specially, specifically. It's like I told you, in the middle of this year, I got a text, where do I send the check to? This is the concept of tzav, and why tzav is right before Pesach, because it's telling us how we connect with God directly. Bechirat chametz, the selling of chametz is a very important thing to do. We are selling not only the actual physical chametz, we are selling our arrogance. We are selling and giving this all away. It will come, Metzchen, hopefully next week we'll be able to give proper laws of Pesach straight, because... We were amiss the last three weeks that we were supposed to be doing it. Um, the Seder this year is going to be on a Friday night. First Seder. Mm-hmm. And the second Seder 
Saturday night. You going to the hotel? Where? Huh? Oh, with the kids? Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Four days. You're there for the Seder with them? Yeah. Wow. Horse. <laughs> I'll show you a horse later. Don't worry about it. We'll discuss the dinim of a seder. We'll discuss the dinim of Erev Pesach. On Erev Pesach, there's a special run of the matzahs, baking of matzahs, after Chatzot Hayom, which is when the actual carbon Pesach was brought. And those matzahs are called matzahs mitzvah. So it's a mitzvah to have at least one matzah of Arab Pesach matzahs if you can. That's Ganendi. Bouncing in. So for now, we'll just say that we should all be connected this Shabbos to God. And we should be zeicha to eat from the Nazwachim and Absachim. Yeshua Yimei Kodesh. Amen. Okay. Now, Iran is...